Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon, and I'm Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. Here with me today to talk about caring for ourselves are two high school students from our National Student Advisory Council. I want to get things started by having each of you introduce yourself, but first, I got to do the bona fides and let everybody know that as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. So Sydney and Muhammad, let's get started. Tell me where you're from and why does this topic matter to you? Uh, hello, my name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and this topic matters to me because in the past I haven't been the greatest with caring for myself. I sometimes neglected it in the face of like trying to be more productive or um, trying to get uh, trying to be just being lazy, I guess. Um, but I have tried to get uh, important to it. Sometimes uh, you can't struggle with it, so this is why it's important to me. Hi, uh, I'm Sydney Schneider. I'm from Everett, Washington. Uh, and this topic is really important to me for very similar reasons. I'm a person where like, I want to be very productive. I want to do good in school. I want to maintain my relationships. I want to be that people pleaser person a lot of the time. And over like the past couple months and like since COVID, I've been really trying to work on that and take more care of myself and be more kind to myself. Yeah, that's so great. And I know in this episode, we were really careful to not call it self-care because that term can often be associated with negative messaging. How has stigma in society influenced the way that we view self-care? I think like stigma in society has limited how we view how we view self-care to just like, you know, like bubble baths and like spa days or like, you know, going on vacation to the beach, which for one, it puts a price tag on self-care, which is not which is not equitable in the slightest, but it also just limits it and makes it so that it's less sustainable and it's less of a long-term uh wait a thing to implement in your life which i think is very very problematic in just a lot of ways yeah along with other things in mental health i think like the term self-care is associated with people like who are in trouble and like are, are in need of um a lot of help which isn't the case because it, it tries to make self-care seem like something that happens once in a while but caring for yourself is something that should happen every day every single day you should be caring for yourself you should be taking time out of your day to care for yourself and making sure that you are okay and that you are doing well and I'm glad you brought up the media because I think we see a lot of this stuff and I, I appreciate that idea of it's like the the mud bath and the spa day and the and the kind of affluence that goes along with it. How do you see self-care represented these days in the media? I think it's like extravagant um, feats, something that's like go big or go home. Um, very very big things which isn't in reality because in reality it can be like anything small that just brings joy to you makes you feel calm and relaxed but the media tries to portray it like something fancy through the use of influencers who are like oh i do this for self-care and it's obviously something going to be much more expensive and extravagant than it needs to be yeah and like muhammad was saying earlier i think it's also portrayed as something that happens only once in a while and just like oh like i'm gonna work and work and work and then i get a break not i'm gonna take little breaks throughout the day uh sort of thing well, you know, and that's interesting because I, I think about that balance of how you care for yourself and your own needs while you're providing or even taking care of other people. There's got to strike a balance in there. And how do you see striking that balance? 
I know for me, like taking care of myself helps me take care of other people because I actually have the energy to take care of other people. And by and by providing for myself and by giving myself breaks and doing stuff that makes me happy, that energy radiates out to other people and I'm able to be there for people in my life when uh, when they are struggling because I've taken the time to build up my energy sources. I think if you don't account for self-care in your life, it's going to make you seem less like desirable than your normal self. It's gonna make me seem more irritated, less friendly. So it's gonna actually push people away from you instead of like bringing them close. And if you wanna provide for them, especially if you're um, ignoring your needs, such as hygiene too, especially. Um, so if you if you do that, that's gonna definitely push people away from you instead of, um, and you won't be providing for anyone in that case. You know, I used to liken it to, you know, back when you've, you've been on an airplane and the, and the flight attendants will get up and they'll give their speech at the top and they talk about, you know, put your air, own air mask on first before you put on someone else's because you've got to give yourself, you have to take care of yourself or you can't take care of somebody else. And I think that's what I hear you saying when you're talking about you need to care for yourself in order to have the energy to care for somebody else. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely um, an important aspect. If you don't have energy to do, to do any, um, to take care of yourself, as a result of not taking care of yourself, no one's going to benefit from you, including those in your family and close friends. So if you don't put yourself first, then not, you can't help those, if, even if you really want to. And you think you need to help those before yourselves, it's not possible to. I also think if you don't take care of yourself, you're a lot more irritable and you're a lot more snappy and you're a lot more likely to hurt the people around you instead of helping them. You know, that's such a good point because you, you do put yourself at risk to hurt the people around you when you're not taking care of yourself. And that makes me think about, about this whole idea of what are the things that you do to take care of yourself every day? What are the things, how do you prioritize this every day? Uh, I know for me, one of the things that I've been really implementing is meditation in like, uh, I, I try to do every single day, but if I don't, I, I'm kind to myself and I'm like, okay, I forgot. That's all right. Uh, and I use the Calm app for that. It costs money, but if you can find meditation on YouTube for completely for free. Uh, and I know for me also, just like when I'm doing homework, I'll take little like dance breaks and I'll dance around and I'll listen to my favorite music and it makes me really, really happy. Um, and also working out. Uh, working out is so, so, so beneficial for my mental health personally and having a gratitude journal so I can realize like the small moments in my life that are good and take that time out of my day to feel gratitude for the people and the, just the stuff that's all around me. Uh, for me personally, I love like a lot of movies and TV shows. So I'll just take, um, especially like comedy movies and TV shows. So I'll just take a, a couple minutes out of my day um, to watch a couple uh, or other YouTube videos that I find funny just surround myself with entertainment that I believe is funny. I also like uh, to hang out with my siblings and other close friends online, just take a moment, talk to them, see um, how their day has been. I think that's really beneficial too. You know, one of the biggest things that I like to do is I like to take 10 minutes and spend 10 minutes on an elliptical trainer or take 10 minutes and go for a walk, but do something to get myself active, uh, especially if I'm having to sit for a long period of time and, and, you know, be on camera and all those other types of things. But I find it really important to just disconnect and get some energy out. I love the dance break idea. I think I need to try that uh, because I think it's the same idea about getting something active. Do you find that activity also is a good self-care strategy? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm a swimmer. Um, so I exercise a lot and I like love being in the pool because it helps you like clear your mind. And then you can like, if you had a bad day, you can kind of take it out um, in your practice, I guess, in the water, try to go push yourself too. And I think like uh, nine times out of 10, after I like leave a workout, I feel like more energetic and like happy after a practice than um, as opposed to not being uh, more energetic. I know for me, I've never been an athlete. I've never been somebody who works out a lot. But over the past couple of months, I've been trying to implement workouts into my life, like either like after lunch or in the morning to try to get that routine in. And it brings my mental health up so, so, so much. For people who are like looking for getting into working out, I recommend the site Derby has thousands of workouts for free that you can just access on the internet. And it's great. What was that website? Uh, Derby.com. Wow. Okay. We'll have to attach that in here. That sounds like a great one. Because again, it comes to that idea of caring for yourself needs to be sustainable. It needs to be affordable and it needs to be something that everybody can do. And, and my question in here is, is also what other benefits do you get from that? What other benefits do you get from self-care besides like that break? I think it helps improve other aspects of your life. Say you try and neglect self-care to, to, um, to do better in school or to maintain your relationships better. If you do utilize self-care or care for yourself on a daily basis, I feel like you'll be um, more relaxed when taking a test, therefore increasing your test scores, um, more relaxed when talking to your friends, strengthening bonds, and it'll just decrease a lot of pressure and stress in your life so that you can focus on the aspects of your life that you are really passionate about and want to improve and excel at. Yeah, it's made ever since like trying to implement self-care into my life and like regularly, my mood has gone up so much. I've been so much, so much happier. And I think it's also given me like a time to try to like work through some of like my past traumas and work through my mental health itself. And I think that is a form of self-care in its own right. But yeah, I just so much more energized, so much more just wanting to like go at life and get find the joy in it. How do you know when it's time to take a break? Um, for me, I like I like to say it was like my brain is mashed potatoes, but you probably should not get to that point where you just sort of feel that like brain fog and you're like, I can't keep doing this. I, but like, but you, you want to try to anticipate that coming on, at least for me, but also getting a routine uh, in for like when to take breaks. Like for me after lunch, I always just take breaks um, to, to for myself or before or before I go to sleep, I'll try to think of I'll try to do gratitude journaling or just getting that routine and of actual scheduling in times to take breaks for yourself. Yeah, I definitely think understanding your limits is a very big part of this. Um, for me, I think it's like when I'm overthinking or like I start to like my mindset to go crazy, like disaster thinking. I think that's a good spot for many people to try and take a step back. Um, if they're trying to over, if they're overcomplicating stuff and if they're like freaking out over like one little um, mishap in their day, I think that's a perfect time for caring for yourself and to implement that in your team. Well, and you know, that brings up a really good, good point. Cause I know many of our listeners and many of us throughout this pandemic, and, and I've had this sometimes too, we have struggled with periods of time where we've got really low motivation and the idea of working out, the idea of doing any type of, oh my gosh, I'm going to add this into my routine. I'm going to do what? You can't, you know, you want me to dial, you want me to take care of myself too? You want, to, you want me to do that? What do you say to people who've got low motivation, who just think that this is, oh my gosh, more hassle than it's worth? 
I think it's starting with those like small things of self-care, even if it is just you take five minutes out of your day to just in, just like stop with the entertainment, stop just bombarding your brain with things and just take that time to intentionally just rest. I think you can implement self-care in very, very small ways and try to make it a routine. Like, af- like say, like after you brush your teeth, you do uh, maybe affirmations or meditation or something. Just like implement it as a routine, maybe just small little things. I guess something you could say is that you'll feel so much more better um, after you implement uh, something. It's like, again, self-care doesn't isn't anything extravagant or very time-consuming. It can be the simplest things. It can take two to five minutes if you want, but you'll feel so much more relaxed and at ease after you do it. And if you're struggling to be productive and then you like don't want to do self-care because you're like, oh, I'm just going to waste my more time, you'll feel more ready to take on um, what you wanted to do in the first place if you do go through self-care. You know, I really like that idea because I think this also brings up the other end of the issue. Sometimes doing self-care is stopping something, right? And I have this conversation a lot with people that I work with. Uh, People will talk about how hard it is to, you know, you get sucked in after hours on your phone. You get sucked in on the weekends or whatever it is that you get sucked into. And and I tell people to make a no list of what are the things you're going to stop doing? Because sometimes stopping doing something is a form of caring for yourself. So what do you think it's important? You know, are there things that you've removed from your life or or things that you've done where you've actually stopped doing something in the name of self-care? Uh, I know for me, I was on an SCL committee for my school district that's done for emotional, uh, uh, sorry, social emotional learning. And it was just not a good place for me to be. It made me very frustrated and angry and it was time consuming and it made me sad and just tired. And I was like, I, I can't keep this in my life. Even if it is something that I'm passionate about, it is hurting me. And I, I, I needed to cut it off at that point. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with taking just quitting things that sap your energy are toxic for you. This can include like friend groups, even group chats too. I know I've taken myself some out of group chats that were just really annoying for me. I didn't care for it anymore. I was done with like what was being posted in it. So I think that's a good uh, thing you can do too. Uh, Cause you don't want to like just see toxic toxicity in like um, toxicity and other um, negative aspects in those group chats among your friends who, or who you think are your friends. Also just, even if uh, you don't want to cut something off completely, take a lengthy break from it. If that be a sport, a club, if you really don't want to like quit it, if you just t- taking a break sometimes helps people find reinvigorate their passion and motivation for doing something again. So I would recommend doing that. You know, I, I really like this idea of, you know, removing yourself from toxic relationships, even if it's taking a break from group chat, taking a break from a committee. I, I was thinking, Sydney, when you were talking, I, I sit on a couple of committees that I I absolutely dread. And I have a committee that I go to that um, in Oregon, we have this thing in many communities called the duck race, where people take like a thousand rubber ducks and they throw a thousand random rubber ducks into the river. And then whichever random rubber duck crosses the finish line, that's the one that won. And And I sit on committees where it feels like that's what it's like. It's like, so completely random rubber duck that you never, there's no point. And it's very frustrating and it's life sucking. And it's hard to give ourselves permission to say, um, I know for me, sometimes I get a little bit of fear of missing out, you know, FOMO is a thing. How does FOMO play 
in this idea of stopping doing things. I mean, how do you give yourself permission to know that, that even if you're not going to be there, you're actually not missing anything. I think with FOMO, the biggest thing like connected with it is like, Oh, if this person does, does it, they're going to get more out of it. Especially if you're like a super competitive person, um, this person's going to get more of it. Uh, they're going to hate me if I don't do it with them. And then I think in response to that, you can just try and be reasonable. Think for a second be like, okay, is this person going to have what, what I like do not do or what I do not choose to do with this person or this group? And um, how is this going to affect me in the like long-term future, next couple of years? If it's a good effect, you should be able to rationalize that it's okay for you to miss out on this certain event, especially if you don't want to go there in the first place. And even uh, if it's like a bad thing in the short term that you miss out, like if your friends are angry with you for a second, you, you were able to take time for yourself. You were able to take a step back from something you didn't feel comfortable doing, which I think is like the most important thing you should do, to do, do stuff that you are comfortable with, not with what other people are doing. I, I think part of it is assessing like, why do you not want to go there in the first place? And if it is for like some like, like, you know, like, like for like a reason, I'm like, mm, like, not like really, I just, I just don't want to go to it. Like that is completely fine. But like, but, but, but like, it's just a cost benefit analysis, right? It's like, it's like, do, does, does this cost me more than it's going to benefit me in, in the long term? And, and, but I, I also think just like, if you don't want to go to something, you don't have to go to it. It's okay. You can take that break. You you, you can take that time for yourself. Because I think, I think so much of self care is seen as selfishness, and I don't I don't think selfishness is a bad thing at all. And you you, and you can take that time for yourself, and that is a benefit to you. And like like we've talked about before, it is going to be a benefit for the people around you in the long run. You know, first of all, everybody who's listening right now. You have the permission, you have everybody on this on this podcast permission to, if you're doing something in your life that is sucking the life out of you, reevaluate and step away from it because we know that's not necessarily a good thing. But I think the other thing you bring up, Sydney, is really important and I want to talk about this for a minute. The idea that, that there's um, there are similarities. We think of selfishness as being bad. There are similarities between selfishness and caring for yourself. And how do you find that balance? And when does caring for yourself or, or any, maybe not caring for yourself, but what are the aspects of selfishness that, that are different that make it so it's not self-care? You know what I'm saying? I think was, I think what makes selfishness different from self-care is selfishness is something that will greatly hurt other people. And, 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 uh, and, I, I think I think that's where the difference lies, right? With self-care, you are taking time for yourself to benefit yourself, right? Selfishness, you can also do that, but it also has a great negative benefit on other people. I think with selfishness, you have a motivation to like bring others down and push yourself up. Whereas like with self-care, you're just trying to keep yourself stable or improve yourself. But you're also trying to like help improve um, those around you too, because you don't want to be the one that's like being a burden on other people if you aren't uh, taking care of yourself. And then thing like selfishness, selfishness is like um, motivated by um, vi vices that are not good and like such as greed, um, ignorance, things like that. While our self care is like more focused on um, positive effects such as like patience, understanding, and like. Re, like a good realization of like where you at, where you are. No, I think that's really helpful because it also then brings in this other issue of 
when we were talking about the idea of, of FOMO and this kind of goes, ties it all kind of in there together. Sometimes some of what we do that's destructive is because we want to be validated by other people and we want to have that validation from other people um, in order to feel good about ourselves. And, and I wonder how does that play a role in how we don't take care of ourselves because we're too busy doing the whole people pleaser thing. I think all of us have the want to belong and have the want to be validated by other people, but I don't think you should sacrifice yourself and your happiness to uh, to, to get other people to like you because you, you, you should get that feeling of belonging and the other people should value you even if you are taking time for yourself. And if they aren't, cut those people out of your life. Those are the toxic people in your life. And and as, and as for academic, val like, academic validation, I know for me, one thing that's really helped with my self-care is finding other motivation outside of just wanting to get that grade, trying to find joy in learning. And that for me has been a great form of self-care because I'm getting joy out of school instead of it draining me. I think with validation, you should realize like whose validation it is that is most important to you. Like for me personally, my parents' validation is important in some cases, not all. I'm not saying that you, those people should, um, ha you should have validation from them in all cases, but in specific cultures and um, mm -hmm. regions, it is very important for people to have uh, validation from certain people, whether that, that be their spouses, parents, or very close people. Other people, it doesn't really matter what they think. Like, if, even if, like, especially if you're not going to, like, see them again, like, five, ten years, like, especially, like, our peers in high school, it really doesn't matter what they think of what our choices are now and what we choose to do now, because we're not probably never going to see them again in our lives. Um, so I think it's important to realize who it, um, whose validation is truly important and then create, like, limits around, like, how much you want them to validate you and, like, what aspects of your life you need their validation. You know, I like that idea of, of being choosy about, and it's not the same for everybody. There's not like a list of saying, you should seek validation from these people because seeking validation from people who are unhealthy is the definition of a toxic relationship. But having that validation that helps and affirms you and who you are and helps ground you in who you are, that's healthy validation. When somebody looks at you and says, Yep, you did a great job on on that paper. You did a great job representing, you know, that point of view in this debate or whatever it was. Um, you ran a great race, whatever it is. Those pieces of validation are super healthy. But the kind of validation that sucks the life out of you is the kind of validation that isn't about you. It's about somebody else. I think the other thing that that I want to make sure that we spend some time on um, Sydney, you talked about Derby as a as a workout solution. What other resources can people utilize that are out there free of charge to help with self-care? I know for me, one thing that's really helped is just gratitude journaling. Like you can get a piece of paper and like write five things down that you're grateful for. And that has been such a transformative uh, form of self-care. 
I've mentioned meditation. There's a bunch of meditations on YouTube. That's that's really, really good. I think another form of self-care that's been really good for me is like uh, building like my connection with nature and having that. And I would recommend uh, uh, Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer's book, uh, Braiding Sweetgrass, if you want to do that form of self-care. And that you have to pay a bit of money for that, but it's a book. So yeah. Uh, and also, of course, worktobewell.com. Uh, that's a great resource as well. Yeah, I think immersing yourselves, immersing yourself in things that like take you out of reality, I guess, for a little while are great for self-care, especially like reading. Um, fresh air is great. What um, Walks, hikes, stuff like that. Also DIY pages on like Pinterest, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. They have a lot of tips for like self-care, like um, tips you can do, like such as mini like um, baths if you want to. Uh, they have a lot of um, options there. If you look up uh, DIY self-care um, routines or techniques, you'll find a lot there too. And I know there's a lot of great meditations on YouTube that are all free of charge. I also know, and Sydney brought it up on our Work to Be Well website, we have entire pieces of curriculum on how to create a self-care kit. You know, I love the idea of how you create the things that are your kind of emotional first aid kit that help you feel more comfortable, especially in stressful situations, but also provide that just a little bit of, of motivation to care for yourself along with breathing exercises. I love gratitude journaling. I love all the different types of things you all have mentioned. There's also a number of podcasts that are focused on self-care. There's not just us here at Talk To Be Well, but there's many of them out of there in the podcast universe that have tips and tricks. So there's a lot of different things that you can find. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money to take care of you. So as we begin to get to our last few minutes here, what I really want to know is, is what do you tell people who are struggling with self-care and who are struggling with prioritizing themselves? What do you, what message do you have for them? I guess you could say, um, asking like what's holding them back um, try to like have a discussion with them, see like what was holding them back from self-care. If it's other people, um, you could encourage them to take a break from them or cut them out from their lives. Uh, if it's like too many responsibilities, you can encourage them to take a break or just drop them altogether. Um, and then like talk to them about like your own personal experience with self-care techniques that you've tried and then demonstrate them too, so that you can be an advocate for self-care and they can see like actual examples of what you do. And then just talk about like how much better you can feel after you do this technique, which is a huge motivator and incentive for people to do self-care uh, routines. Yeah, I think part of it is emphasizing just like that self-care can just be little small things that you do throughout the day. Does, like, like we talked about at the beginning, it doesn't need to be extravagant uh, bubble baths or spas or anything like that. But also that your well-being and your mental health matters and you deserve to be happy and fulfilled in your life and that and that fulfillment and that joy is worth more than whatever validation you are getting it, it, it you you like i think a part of it is a lot of self-compassion and building that self-compassion for yourself and being like i deserve to take this time and i deserve to be happy and fulfilled and like feel loved I couldn't say it any better. And I think that's the perfect note to end our podcast today on. I really appreciate Sydney and Muhammad, you sharing your wit, your, your wisdom about caring for yourself, how you do it for you, but also reminding everybody that we all deserve to be loved. Thank you all for joining me today on Talk To Be Well and being open to talking about all the things we've talked about and how we take care of our mental health and wellness. 
If you are looking for support with your mental health and any other medical questions, please visit providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at worktobewell.org. All our curriculum is free. There's lots of great resources for you. We even have some playlists that you can download again for free that have different types of music because that's one of the things we didn't talk about, the importance of music in helping you feel good. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. This has been Talk To Be Well. Be well, everybody. <laughs>